Welcome to the Jolt Episodes. This is a feature of the NA podcast meant to give you energy and a boost to look around your world and exercise a signature strength. Between interviews with incredible women who leave us awe-inspired, I will share stories that will prompt you to look around and see the beauty in your own world. I hope you find yourself awe-inspired. Hello, friends. And if you are listening on Publish Day, happy Halloween or celebration to the start of Dia de Muertes. Today is one of my favorite holidays, and though that may surprise my regular listeners, what it really comes down to is a family tradition, memories, and honestly, an overly effusive love for sugar. Today's Jolt episode is inspired by this time of year, and like the celebration day, juxtaposes itself perfectly between our features on fearlessness from this month and gratitude for next month. My message today is a retelling of a memory from exactly three years ago, one that I have surprisingly never written about in great detail, nor have I archived it in any meaningful way. And when the memories popped up once again on Facebook yesterday and today, I knew that it was time to share. As I came to the end of this month and mileage for my running, I found myself needing to complete 7.6 in order to finish my 52nd consecutive month with 100 plus mileage. I didn't want to do it. With some added yeses in my life lately, it's been a bit challenging to fit in all the priorities and the math worked against me each time I got out for a quick one mile street keeper this month. There were far more than normal with birthday parties, sick children, travel, and the blessings of my husband's football team, making it to playoffs, yay, and now moving into the next round this week. All blessings. This episode isn't about the fact that I did, in fact, complete those 7.6 miles and pushed it to eight for an even number. Rather, I wanted to share about another time, three years ago, when I faced down countless fears leading up to the start of my first marathon and how even though I'm not physically able to run those miles today, that I'm insanely grateful for the memory flood that occurred on my run today. I can remember the exact location on a much trodden path near my home when I heard a message that would change my life in one of my favorite boxer groups at the time, Endurance Educators. This group had been a go-to for a while, instrumental in getting me to run my first half marathon, sharing resources, encouragement, and shared community in a way that had strengthened me. Five of us had already come together to run a half marathon, including my colleague and good friend, Luke Stordahl, an awesome principal I had not quite met yet, Jay Posick, and my two co-authors, though they weren't that at the time, Jessica Cabine and Johnson. In that group was also Adam Welcome, and we had been hearing a lot about he and Jay meeting to run a marathon together in D.C. Though they had offered it up to the whole group and wanted us to all join, nobody was ready to do a destination marathon with such seasoned marathoners, or just maybe not at all. The idea of traveling to Washington, D.C. to run a marathon held no interest for me when they were planning it, as I considered the busy time of life with a chaotic work environment, turmoil in my personal life, and two daughters aged five and seven. There's just too much going on to train for a marathon, let alone travel to one. I had no problem saying no when they were originally planning. Except when Jay came into the Voxer group indicating that Adam would not be able to run the Marine Corps Marathon and that the Brooks-sponsored bib could be shifted to any one of us. My heart skipped on that late July day, and I somehow knew I was going to say yes. My husband and I had just been to DC for a conference, and I could feel the yes just forming in my heart. I just didn't know how I could pull it off with only 12 weeks to train. But I did. And friends, that was no joke. In addition to starting a school year with new challenges, I focused hard on training, waking up at 4 a.m. and running along the dark highway, jumping over roadkill to get to my long runs. I trained hard and I trained well. In early October, when I completed my 20-mile training run, I was slated to run a three-hour 45 marathon. And for those of you who understand that number, it was impressive. I could have qualified for Boston with that number. I don't want to gloss over this training. It was challenging, but I know it was timed well because there was so much going on at school and those extended hours of focus allowed me to reset 
and really just kind of focus on something that I could control in my life. And I was totally injury free. The only battles I faced then all tied to my ability to run for hours at a time for several weeks straight after long days and work nights. I put in that hard work quietly and relentlessly. I didn't ever want to complain because I chose it and I felt I had to be really strong given an added challenge at home. You see, this marathon in particular was a destination marathon to Washington, D.C. the day before Halloween. Considering Halloween was a big deal in this house, there was no way I would commit to a situation that would keep me from experiencing this with my two young daughters. My flight would have to leave D.C. after the marathon that same night to get back in time to be present for my kids. Everyone I knew told me that this plan was bananas and that I should treat my body better and stay the night in D.C. It was too risky. Except my sister. She knew my goal, and she committed to help me both complete the marathon and get back to the girls in time. With her loving support, I booked a flight for her and I to leave just a couple of hours after my estimated completion of the marathon, and my parents agreed to meet us late when the flight got in to drive me safely home the two hours back so I could sleep and we could all celebrate together. I had trained hard alone, but I had my crew in place to support this crazy dream. I was intimidated by the marathon itself and the many variables, but I was confident it would all work out. My sister and I had an incredible time together the day before, seeing sights, making memories, connecting with Jay's support team so she could be with them to cheer while we ran together. Though the whole thing was new to us, we were loving the crowds, the anticipation, the excitement. We made our plans to marathon on marathon day for me to take the rental car to the Marine Corps base where the Brooks-sponsored bibs said I would have a pass to park there and uh, have access to the VIP tent. Perfect. My sister would meet Jay's wife and daughter. I woke insanely early and left in the dark, allowing hours before the start to get to my destination. I left my sister sleeping in the hotel room, my heart pounding as I ventured into the new experience with as much preparation as I felt I could have had at that time. And then it all totally fell apart and fear gripped me. See, the roads were all closed earlier than they had been reported that they would be. I had researched ahead enough to know that they would close, but I had left at least one hour earlier to account for that fact. And unfortunately... I also plan to rely upon my GPS and the little information I had from Brooks about my VIP parking perk. My GPS couldn't locate where I was to go, and the roads from Mandrags were inaccessible. My original plan to stay outside of D.C. to save money turned into me driving around side streets, circling closed-off exits, re-entering freeways, and growing panic for literal hours. As the time kept moving forward and I would be no closer getting lost, Even further and further on side streets, I envisioned ditching the car and hopping on a bus, but where would I even go? I stopped at a gas station to ask a police officer to help. I was lost, and my GPS was not working. He looked at me with great sympathy and said there was no way I was getting there on time. When he saw my reaction of defeat, he looked around once and offered what he believed to be the last remaining path left open. I thanked him and drove off, probably too fast, toward where he had been pointing. Military cars all were in a line going in direction uh, that the GPS had not suggested, and they were able to go past a barricade. But I was not allowed past that barricade. When I got closer, the person directing traffic motioned me away. I rolled down my window already, ready to beg. There was a line of civilian cars like mine being diverted, and they were all turning around. I could see the clock ticking again, and less than an hour and a half to the start, When I got closer, the officer shook her head. I told her I needed to get into the base. I had VIP parking after all. She looked at me inside and waved me on where the rest of the cars were headed. No help. After turning around and again in the dark with no idea where I was anymore, I literally lost it, friends. I cried in defeat. It's it's hard to even remember that moment. I remember screaming 
It was not a good moment. And how could this happen? I had been boxing with Jay all along and he calmly told me it would be okay. But would it? I was already mentally drained from hours of stress driving around. If I got to the start line, how could I even physically and mentally and emotionally handle this? I couldn't just give up. Drive back to the hotel, return, not even being able to run. My school had thrown a surprise assembly for me. People were planning to track me. My girls were going to watch me on the map. I had spent countless hours training for this marathon, not only to be able to get to start, to prove myself that I could finish. And that's not even to mention the financial resources to get us to this location. For all my preparation, for training and getting home, I had failed to properly research this part and it was going to cost me. My surroundings were dark and I was filled with fear and loss. Not smart, but I literally put the car in park in the middle of a street, ready to call my sister and give in. I sat in the middle of an empty darkened street with no traffic, no accurate GPS, and no help in sight. My throat was raw from the cry I had just let out, and from somewhere inside me came a whisper, God, God, please help me. I can't do this alone. And for those of you who know me now, this seems like nothing. And why had I not mentioned this hours before, right? Hadn't I already been asking for help? But three years ago, I wasn't. Three years ago, I was leaning into my own power. Three years ago, I thought all the preparation and training, my will, my perseverance, my strength was enough. And until that moment where I sat in a strange city, in a strange car, with all my hopes for completing this crazy thing I had worked so hard for scattering right outside my window, I looked up one more time before calling my sister to tell her not to get on the train into town. And there it was a tiny sign, you know the kind, inconspicuous, green and white, with an arrow pointing left, Marine Corps base entrance. For a second, I couldn't breathe. How could it be so small, first of all? And how had I not noticed? I turned down the road, barely believing this was possible. It was still very dark, and there was a long line of cars entering into a highly secured area. My heart was already feeling faint, and I pulled in line, watching people get out, so that men in uniform could check their vehicles. I didn't even know if this is the place that I was supposed to be. These men were opening the hoods, drivers getting out. They were checking trunks and every nook and cranny in the car. I was about six cars back, and there remained one hour until the start of this marathon. Fear continued to grip my heart, and it really added based upon the security and the circumstances. I let Jay know that I was in the base, and I still had no idea where I was or how I was going to get to the start line, but I was creeping closer in this line and thinking, maybe this will happen. When I got to the front, I imagined the fear residue still clung to me. The soldier asked me what my business was and if I had my ID. I let him know I was on the VIP list and had clearance to park here. I said that as confidently as I could, knowing that I hadn't, in fact, ever seen that VIP list. He looked at me a bit skeptically and said, I'll check on the list, ma'am, and if you're on it, Great. If you're not, I'll have to kick you back out to civilian land. As I watched him walk over to the booth and exchange with another soldier, I closed my eyes and I literally held my breath. He returned and handed me back my ID with a simple bookmark-looking item, Hatfield Entrance Pass. You better get going if you're going to make it on time, ma'am. Please step out of the car. While I nervously waited for them to finish the search, I boxed Jay that I was in, and thank God Brooks had come through, and my name, in fact, was on the VIP list. To fast forward a story a bit, it was still dark, and I couldn't see much around me, nor was anything familiar. I drove to where I hoped I should go on the base with the clipped instruction that I received, and I learned that I still needed to get on a shuttle to get off the base. I placed the bookmark-looking item on the dash, thinking that was my parking pass to be able to be on the base, and rushed onto the shuttle. 
when we got to the destination, I pulled out with a, I piled out of it with a bunch of runners, probably a dozen. And I made sure all my items were with me. As we walked for a while, I saw that we were coming up to a gate and it was light enough for me to see now Hatfield gate. I froze. I watched others walk confidently out and my blood ran cold. As one foot stepped out the gate, I paused. I turned back before my whole body got out and I bravely faced the Marine with an automatic weapon at the gate. Um, excuse me, but I think I might have left what I need in order to get back here in my rental car. He stared at me a moment. Ma'am, are you saying you do not have one of these? And he held up the bookmark that I had left in the car thinking it was my parking pass. I wanted to cry. So close. Getting so close. And yet another obstacle. Yeah, I, I thought I was supposed to leave it in my vehicle. I felt like such a naive idiot supplicating to this man with a visible weapon in his hands. Nothing about this scenario was normal to me, and I was feeling utterly depleted of resilience. Ma'am, you will not be allowed back onto this base without this pass. He looked around, slipped one of the top, off the top of his stack, and handed it to me. Good luck, ma'am. I almost hugged him and thought better of it, <laughs> slinking away and out the gate. Less than an hour to start, I needed to find Jay. I walked way too fast to enjoy the fact that I had just been launched out and was walking next to Arlington National Cemetery. It was surreal. Turns out that Jay was near the start line, and I still needed to drop off my bag. To speed up the story, you should know that my sad lack of understanding of direction and time continued to curtail my ability to be to the start line at any reasonable time. Dropping my rental car keys and my over shirt in a bag I had labeled um, meant that I had to be clipping toward the Pentagon in the opposite direction of hundreds of smarter and better prepared runners who were headed to the start line. <sighs> Once I got the bag dropped off, I was relieved to know that I had 20 minutes until the start. Jay was waiting for me, and I may have alleviated my bladder and bushes where I only saw males doing such, but we had minutes to spare before the gunshot would signal the start. Don't judge. I'd driven around for hours trying to get to this spot, and I wasn't about to have this race start while I stood in a line 30 people deep at a porta potty <laughs> Jay and I got lined up in the nearest corral, and with 10,000 people participating in a marathon this size, the corral that you want to go to is based upon estimated times. We didn't get into our optimal time. Honestly, this impacted our entire run. We were never able to get caught up throughout the morning, and I will forever be grateful for a partner to run my first marathon that continuously reminded me we were there to finish together. We stopped for the restroom break. The time didn't matter. When we ran by our cheering section and stopped to give hugs, the time didn't matter. When we came past mile 17 and I thought I was going to die, time didn't matter. And when I encouraged him through the final five miles, time didn't matter. And I sang at the end, time didn't matter. It was a challenging and glorious experience. And I technically PR'd with 30 extra minutes than planned because I had never done a marathon before. But I was so grateful that after that challenge, I was able to start and complete that one. And the challenges were not over. After finishing the longest run of my life and experiencing what marathon brain felt like, <laughs> taking pictures, I barely remember at the incredible Iwo Jima Memorial, more obstacles came. The bag I had checked with my rental car keys meant an extra mile after completing 26.2 to get to the festival. The extra line uh, time for that meant that I may not be able to shower to catch the flight. The traffic getting uh, to our hotel meant no time to eat after running over four hours. But my sister was there with me, keeping me strong, reminding me that we could make it together. When we got to the shuttle to get to the car on the base over one hour past our original plan, we agreed the worst case scenario was missing the flight. So we may go with no food and no shower, but we would not miss that flight. We put our heads down, our hearts together, and plowed through the challenges all the way to the gate. 
By the time we settled into the airport with the most delicious meatball and avocado sub sandwich I have ever consumed, I had showered and we had 10 minutes before boarding. I had never been so grateful that God gave me a sister to support me the whole way. When we got into Minneapolis, she continued to bolster me through laughter and story, though my eyelids wanted to shut. And when we got to my parents, those buffalo wings and margarita hit the spot as we recounted our shared stories from the day. None of us could believe that I had actually run 26.2 miles and made it back in time. My parents drove me the two hours that night to my home, and I slept hard the whole way, basking in the warmth and security of their service, love, and support. When the girls woke up in the morning, we were all joyous to be together on Halloween, and I had a sweet story to tell. They now had a mom who was able to be known as a marathon runner, and I had a host of obstacles that I had overcome to be grateful to share. Those moments remain so vivid three years later, and though I would be tempted to let them wash away on the shore of flawed human memory, I'm grateful to share them all with you today. There were so many moments that I could have given up before the start line, plenty during. I faced down real and imagined fears to complete the insane goal of running a marathon and making it home for my family. And I am forever grateful for the reminder of what it feels like to overcome those fears, leaning into the support of those around me and relishing the accomplishment. I hope this story jolts you as it reminded me. Through that fear and in deep gratitude, we are capable of more than we could ask or imagine. We all live in the space between fear and gratitude in our lives. What matters is what we make out of that tension. Let's choose to make moments we will never forget. Hey, you. Yeah, I'm talking to you, listener, checking out this Jolt episode. Hey, I want to see what you're seeing in the world. So hop on over to Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or wherever you want and pop out a quick sentence or a picture or something that inspired you this week. Let's let's share with one another. Show the community what you're seeing with your eyes to see the beauty in the world. Hashtag in awe to rise.